Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today you'll be hearing part two, the conclusion of the abduction of Elnaz Hajtamiri. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. If you haven't listened to part one of this series yet, please stop, drop, and roll on over to that episode before you start this one. Last week, we talked about the three men who dressed up as fake police officers who entered the home of one of Elnaz's relatives and forcefully dragged her away, never to be seen or heard from again. Following that information, you learn that just two weeks prior to that, she had been attacked in the parking garage of her condo by two men wielding a frying pan. And according to her ex-boyfriend, Muhammad Lilo's recent arrest history, he had been harassing Elnaz in that same time frame. We talked about the first three arrests made in relation to Elnaz, even though the first had nothing to do with her abduction nor the attack in the parking garage. It was her ex-boyfriend and business partner, Lilo, who'd been arrested on charges of criminal harassment. The two arrests that followed were of the two men police believed were responsible for the attack in the parking garage, Ryasat Singh and Harshdeep Binner. In digging into them, we established that those two were connected to a string of more than 40 stolen F-150s in the area, which area reports suggest may be linked to larger operations exporting stolen vehicles overseas in large cargo containers an operation that feels like it might need a connection to maybe an import-export contact, and that's the business both Elnaz and Lilo worked in, at least Elnaz did, until three months prior to her attack. That timeline of when she left the job seems to coincide with when she and Lilo broke up, and was just one month before her life became one terrifying event after the other. On April 25th, 2022, CBC reported that a source close to the investigation told them that Elnaz's ex-boyfriend Lilo had hired a whole-ass private investigator to keep tabs on where she was in the days and weeks prior to her abduction. I suppose he did half-ass listen to police when they told him to stay away, but pulled his toxic card and got around it by hiring someone else to do what he couldn't. That source close to the investigation seems like it might have actually been that P.I. that Lilo hired. The P.I. told the outlet that Lilo hired him somewhere between December 6th and 9th of 2021. That would have been just a couple of weeks after Elnaz called the police on him when he showed up to her condo. CBC reports that when Lilo hired the P.I. firm, he did so under a fake name, Nazar, which is only a little bit fake. It looks like Nazar is actually his middle name, and running through his employment history and online profiles, it does look like he occasionally interchanges his last name of Lilo with his middle name of Nazar. Obviously, though, these were freaking P.I.s, so it didn't take much effort for them to figure out what his name actually was. Nevertheless, they worked with him. Lilo reportedly told them the longest tale that Elnaz was an ex-girlfriend who owed him $100,000 and he needed them to keep tabs on where she was so he could serve her with court papers. I would take the time to discuss whether or not what he was claiming was true if he didn't end up changing the narrative of that story shortly thereafter. Not long after giving the 100 grand story, He claimed that the real reason he needed the PIs to keep tabs on Elnaz was because his brother had been shot and he hinted that he thought maybe Elnaz might have been involved. 
At this point, both stories sounded dumber than a bag of hammers, but frankly, I cannot confirm nor deny any of the details of either of them. I can't imagine El Naz owed him jack shit, let alone $100,000. And as for his brother being shot, I can't even confirm whether or not the dude even had one. He's like a ghost outside of his measly Facebook account and a few business profiles online. And similar to El Naz, while it's regularly reported that Lilo worked in the import-export industry with her, I couldn't find any information as to what the company might have been. I did, however, find that someone using his first and middle names oversaw a tech company. To try and confirm that it was in fact Lilo who was associated with that company, I did a search for his first and last name along with the company name, and there were in fact several listings linking the two directly. That tech company appears to sell some very sophisticated technology. Hey guys, have you ever subscribed to something, completely forgotten about it, then went to try and cancel it, but couldn't even figure out where on the website you were supposed to go, let alone what your login information was? Because I have several times. If you're anything like me, a subscription hoarder coupled with crippling forgetfulness, Rocket Money is your best friend. It has saved me from more subscription woes than I care to admit. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to $200. When you're signed up for so many different things, like streaming services you use to watch one show or free trials for delivery you don't use, it's easy to lose track of what you're paying for. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times, endless scrolling on websites, or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money will take care of the rest. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. That's rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. Rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. Getting back to the PI thing, the PI told CBC that Lilo had supplied them with the address of both El Naz's condo and the home she was abducted from. The firm did surveillance outside of that home on the 10th, 11th, and the 12th of January, which is the day she was abducted. A PI watched the home until about 6 p.m. that evening until his shift ended. She was abducted about two and a half hours later at a time where no one would have been there to surveil her abduction. As for how the PI felt when he heard the news, he told the outlet that he was blindsided and has been depressed about the entire thing. He assured CBC that the firm does not associate with criminals and has been cooperating with police. One does have to wonder, though, if the PI is the one that those neighbors noticed watching El Naz from a white car. 
Lilo was out on bond for those harassment charges when all of this information came out. And according to CBC, one of his bond conditions was that he couldn't make any contact with this PI. Lilo went to court several times over the next couple of months, but due to a publication ban that was placed in regards to any hearings involving the investigation into El Naz, no one knows any of the details of what his alleged harassment entailed. But things were about to get a lot more grim for him. On July 12, 2022, 35-year-old Muhammad Lilo was officially charged in connection to not only the garage attack, but Elnaz's abduction as well. For the garage attack, Lilo was charged with attempted murder and attempted abduction. As for the abduction by the fake police officers, he was handed charges of attempted murder and attempted kidnapping. This was the first official time where both attacks were very clearly tied together by one person. Lilo had a bail hearing two months later, and while we don't know what was presented to the courts due to that publication ban, reporting suggests that the hearing may have spanned across four different days. Whatever was argued must have been pretty damning because Lilo was denied any bond whatsoever. Dude could have been shitting money and it would not have mattered because he was not getting out of jail. CTV reports that he was also given a non-communication order that barred him from contacting six different people, none of whom was El Naz. Lilo had been predictably unhelpful to law enforcement since being arrested, but they wanted to leave him the opportunity to contact her for the sole purpose of securing her release, which sounds a lot like they believe he knows where she is. Going back to the six people he wasn't allowed to contact, I can only assume you're also sitting here trying to do the math, so let's math together. We already know he couldn't contact the PI, so that's a separate situation altogether. Two men had perpetrated the garage attack, and three men had abducted Elnaz. But adding that together, that's only five people. So who's the sixth? My first guess was that it might have been one of the family members who was at the house when Elnaz was abducted, but why would they only protect one of them? That didn't make any sense to me and would have bumped the number up to seven, so again, who was that sixth person? By the time December rolled around, the prosecution requested that Lilo's attorney be removed from the case due to a conflict of interest. No one knows what that conflict was, but it does look like he was forced to get a new defense team. His new attorney got straight to work proclaiming Lilo's innocence and telling CTV that police shouldn't have even been able to detain him in the first place. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's wildly inaccurate, you know, because of probable cause and stuff. But fear not, because his attorney went on to say that he hadn't been able to look at the disclosure yet, but hopefully would soon. I was pretty sure I knew what disclosure meant, and I can confirm that in Canada, disclosure is essentially the U.S.'s equivalent to discovery, which basically encompasses every single piece of information or documentation regarding a case being heard in the courts. Something you may want to take a peek at before you go proclaiming someone's innocence to the media. But a defense attorney is going to do what a defense attorney is paid to do. January 12th of this year, 2023, marked the one-year anniversary of Elnaz's abduction. In those 12 months, police found no sign of her anywhere. 
three men had been arrested, her ex-boyfriend, who doesn't appear to have been physically involved in either attack, and the two men suspected of attacking her in the parking garage. Police hadn't seemed to make any headway when it came to identifying the three men who abducted her, but all of that was about to change. Along with the announcement of a $100,000 reward for any information leading to Elnaz's location, police released a sketch of two of her three abductors. The sketches were based off of descriptions of two eyewitnesses there that night of the abduction, but unfortunately, both of the suspects were wearing full face masks. That being said, they did look distinctively different from one another. One of the men had a longer, leaner face with large eyes, while the other appeared to be on the shorter side with a wider face and smaller eyes. New Market Today reported that the leaner of the two was probably around six feet tall, while the other was shorter and thicker, but not in the legs. May his scrawny legs land him in prison. It's no surprise that a lot of people questioned why, after all of this time, the sketches were finally being released, and how they were even supposed to be helpful when 90% of the suspects' faces were covered. I don't have an answer as to why it took a year, but I will say that whoever did these sketches is extremely talented, and I hope this is their only job, because even though the suspects were wearing masks, I'd probably still recognize their eyes. Police told Newmarket Today, We know someone recognizes these suspects and can provide us with that bit of information that will lead to Elnaz's whereabouts. We hope that anyone with information will do the right thing by coming forward to police. Help us bring resolution to Elnaz's family. Elnaz's sister told the Canadian press, I know it is one year, but we try to keep our hope that she will come back home soon. There was one obvious thing missing from these sketches, and that was the third suspect. Over the previous year, we had heard in no uncertain terms that Elnaz was abducted by three people, but there were only two sketches. Was it possible that only two of them entered the house and maybe the other one stayed in the car? The answer to that question never came, but two sketches was better than none, and it was clear that police were still tirelessly invested in finding out what happened to Elnaz and where she was. This podcast is sponsored by Relief Band. Hey guys, not a lot scares me. I feel like I'm pretty equipped to handle most things life throws at me, but all of my cool, calm, and collective vibes go straight into the trash when it comes to nausea. Color me dramatic, I do not care. Vomit is my kryptonite, which is why I cannot stress enough how much I love my relief band. It's 2023. Are you still taking pills with tons of side effects to relieve your nausea? Relief Band is the number one FDA-approved anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with morning sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. I go into full panic mode when I even get a hint of nausea and panicking makes me nauseous. It is a vicious, miserable cycle, but since getting my relief band, I throw that thing on at the first hint of nausea and I am on the road to feeling better. It has been worth every single penny. In case I wasn't totally clear, it's like the name says. Relief Band is legitimately a band you wear on your wrist to give you relief from nausea. It uses technology that works with your body so it's safe, drug-free, and has zero side effects. It's that simple. Plus, Relief Band both treats 
and prevents nausea so you can help avoid nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. So if you always have a flashlight on hand for a blackout or a first aid kit on hand for emergencies, then you need a relief band for those scary nausea moments. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for Big Mad True Crime listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code BIGMAD, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code BIGMAD for 20% off plus free shipping. Along with the one-year anniversary, the $100,000 reward, and the release of those sketches, came the news that one of her garage attackers, Raya Sat, had pled out to a measly aggravated assault charge and had since been deported. That only left Harshdeep and Lilo to answer to their alleged crimes and hopefully supply some answers as to what in the actual fuck was going on, where Elnaz had been taken to, and who else was involved. Her mom told Newmarket Today, Nothing weighs more heavily on our hearts than the idea that we may never know what happened to El Naz. We know there are people out there who have information and who may be contemplating whether to come forward. We pray that you will do the right thing and help us out of this suffering and bring justice for El Naz. It had been 12 long months and time wasn't making any of this any easier. In February of 2023, the pace of El Naz's investigation sped up to warp speed and the public was no longer having to rely on the sketches of two masked men. Instead, police released three very clear photos of her suspected abductors, and I will be damned if those sketches were not spot on. You can look at these photos and identify which of the two those sketches were drawn of. There was a plot twist, though. All along, we had heard about three masked men abducting El Naz, but as it turns out, one of those men was actually a woman. According to the Toronto Star, police stated that the photos had been taken in Quebec, but they believed the suspects were currently in the greater Toronto area. Tracking the three of them down to even get these photos might lead you to assume that police knew exactly who they were, but the photos didn't come with any names. So how did police narrow them down? And what led police to believe that they were no longer in Quebec and were now somewhere out in the greater Toronto area? I'm obviously going to post these photos in El Naz's highlight on my Instagram so you can see them for yourself but I wanted to describe them for anyone listening in Canada who might mentally recognize the background features of this building. The photos were taken in what looks like it might be the stairwell of a parking garage or a building. You can see painted white bricks in the background and industrial blue doors. There's a neon yellow cone inside of one of the doorways. The railings of the stairs are a silver metal. And there's a white trash can attached to the actual wall, which is interesting, and a black trash bag poking out. As for the suspects, two of them, the ones I'm assuming are the males, are wearing your run-of-the-mill light blue paper COVID masks. One is wearing a puffy black jacket with a black and white plaid lining, a hunter green sweatshirt underneath, and some kind of black and white head covering with the letters B and E written across it. The other male is also wearing a puffy black jacket that has a fur lining around the hood. As for who I can only assume is the female, she's wearing a black COVID mask and a heavy coat, which also looks like it has fur on the hood. Her hair is covered, and it looks like she might be wearing stud earrings. 
Obviously, that's not a ton to go on, but if you're listening from Quebec or the greater Toronto area and you think you might recognize the location or maybe the three people from that location, please contact the OPP at 1-866-876-5423, extension 7250. Having photos of these suspects was monumental, but that's not where the police stopped with their updates. They also threw in two new photos of two additional men. Police noted that they were not suspects and that they had wanted to rent vehicles back in December of 21, that same month El Naz was attacked in the garage. Law enforcement stated they just wanted to talk to them. And I don't know what on Josh Mankiewicz's screen earth the police wanted with two guys who wanted to rent a vehicle more than a year ago, but that's what was going on, and if you have several questions, you are not alone. New information was coming in at record speed, and before anyone had any time to process it, a fourth person was arrested. According to Simcoe, it was a 25-year-old man named Harshpreet Second, and he was charged with aggravated assault and conspiracy to commit an indictable offense in connection to the garage attack. When Leela was charged in relation to both attacks on El Naz, it kind of felt like maybe he was the brains behind everything, that maybe he was the one calling the shots, but with a fourth person arrested for a two- and then three-man job, it made it clear that this was so much bigger than anyone really understood at that point. Harshpreet wasn't one of the two men who physically attacked El Naz. Ryasat and Harshdeep had been arrested for that, so what role did Harshpreet play in any of this? Conspiracy is certainly one giveaway, so we can probably safely assume he was involved in some kind of planning. But planning for what? We still don't have any concrete answers as to why any of this happened in the first place, let alone why there were so many people involved. I looked as hard as I could to find any background information on this guy and came up completely empty. It's actually a pretty common name. Just when you thought this case couldn't get any more complicated, March 1st hit and a fifth person was arrested. Once again, it was not one of the three people suspected of abducting El Naz. Toronto City News reports that the fifth arrested was a 25-year-old man named Akash Rana. Just like Harshpreet, he was arrested on charges of aggravated assault and conspiracy to commit an indictable offense in relation to the parking garage attack. The conspiracy charge does seem to hint that he too was involved in some kind of planning. I tried to find some background information on Akash as well, but it was about as fruitful as the search for info on Harshpreet. I did find a video online congratulating a 25-year-old with his name on getting his Canadian tourist visa, but that video was posted after El Naz had been abducted. CTV did later report that Akash's attorney requested he be moved to a different correctional facility due to safety concerns. For what it's worth, he was apparently being housed at the same facility as two of the others charged in El Naz's case. He was ultimately granted bail. One week later, police identified the first of El Naz's three abductors, a 35-year-old man named Deshaun Davis. A Canada-wide warrant was issued for his arrest, which is absolutely massive. There is nowhere this dude could hide, though he has still managed to do a frustratingly good job of it. I found an article by the Toronto Sun from back in 2008 that says a 20-year-old man named Deshaun Davis was one of three men arrested following a traffic stop. 
During that traffic stop, the outlet states that an officer was assaulted but not injured and that police found a quantity of cocaine and marijuana along with a loaded semi-automatic 45 caliber handgun. All three men faced 34 different drug and gun-related charges. 2008 would have been 15 years ago, which would mean that the Deshaun Davis from that traffic stop would now be 35, which is the same age as the Deshaun Davis wanted in the abduction of El Naz. The Toronto Sun suggested that he was actually a Canadian rapper, but in the videos and interviews I watched of said rapper, he doesn't have the very distinct neck tattoo that Deshaun does in the photo released by police. So I can't confirm nor deny their claim, but I did want to mention it since you'd probably run across it if you decided to research this case yourself. As for the other two abduction suspects, their identity remained a mystery at least for a week or so. On March 16th, a 30-year-old woman named Crystal Lawrence was arrested and charged with kidnapping. According to CTV, police credited the public in helping to identify her after releasing those three suspect photos. I did a little digging to see what I could find on Crystal, but the only thing that came up when I searched her name was an article from back in 2020 of a then 33-year-old woman who had been charged with accessory after the fact to murder. That charge was in relation to a shooting at an apartment complex about 11 miles from where El Naz lived in her condo. The Crystal Lawrence from that case was 33 three years ago, which would make her six years older than the Crystal Lawrence charged in El Naz's case. Assuming they're two different people, we can conclude that Ontario is a very strange place to know somebody named Crystal Lawrence. El Naz's Crystal Lawrence was, surprisingly enough, released on conditions. Somehow, after all of this, she was released from jail pending further court dates. According to CTV, she does have restrictions on where she can live, what time she has to be home, and where she can travel. Every time you think there's no way in freeze-dried hell that there could be anyone else involved in everything that has happened to El Naz, you find out you're wrong. On March 22nd, police stated that they had identified two additional suspects. From where I'm standing, we only have one person unaccounted for. If Deshaun and Crystal make up two-thirds of El Naz's abductors, we're only missing one. So who were the other two? Was it the third abductor and an additional person? Was it the two random dudes who wanted to rent a car back in December of 2021? Or was it two totally new people altogether? As to be expected, nothing is out of the question when it comes to this case, and it was option number three. Two completely new people who were believed to have been directly involved in the planning and execution of the parking garage attack. How many people could have possibly been involved in that? And not to sound redundant, but why? Why did all of these people decide to work together against a woman who built schools for girls in Iran? It didn't take long for the two suspects to be named. They were two men, a 24-year-old named Jaspreet Singh and a 23-year-old named Sukhpreet Singh. As far as I can tell, none of the three Singhs are biologically related. It's just a common last name. 
Both men were wanted for aggravated assault and conspiracy to commit an indictable offense. Police got sassy and openly suggested that they go ahead and hire a couple attorneys and turn themselves in. They also warned the public that if they were helping either of the two hide out, you may be subject to your own criminal charges as well. Before either of those two could be taken into custody, I shit you not, a whole ass new person was added to the list of those arrested in connection to El Naz. This time, it was another female. According to CP24, it was a 35-year-old woman named Dominique Ewan. She was charged with kidnapping, fraud over $5,000, and possession of property obtained by crime over $5,000. Just like Crystal, she was released on conditions pending her next court date. April of 2023 resulted in two additional arrests. The first being someone we'd already heard about, one of the two new suspects, Jaspreet. He was charged with aggravated assault and conspiracy to commit an indictable offense. I looked for some background information as to who he might be and found two instances where a Canadian man with his name was arrested on drug-related offenses, but in both of those cases, the person named would have been much older than the Jaspreet and El Naz's case, so we can kind of cross that off as being related. Seems like they're two very different people. When it came time for Jaspreet to argue for his bail, it was denied. The second person arrested was brand new to this investigation. It was a 29-year-old man named Adams Sulman Nkama, and the dive into his background was concerning to say the least. Back in 2013, an article from Toronto.com states that he was one of three men arrested after running from police. Police wound up locating a loaded 9mm handgun, and the article seems to imply that the weapon may have been stolen. It states that Adams was arrested on both weapons and gun charges. Moving on to 2016, I found an article from Barry Today that said that a 22-year-old man with his exact name, and that timeline would add up to Adams' age now, was the passenger in a vehicle that was clocked going 120 in an 80. When police stopped the vehicle, they found what they suspected was cocaine on both occupants, and Adams, Sulman, and Kama was charged with possession of a Schedule One substance for the purpose of trafficking cocaine, contrary to the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. It gets worse, though. According to a press release by the Thunder Bay Police, as recently as 2019, Adams was one of five people arrested after police executed a search warrant on a home in the county. Inside, they found an estimated $22,000 worth of fentanyl, roughly $4,300 worth of cocaine, a significant amount of cash, and two loaded handguns. Adams was charged with possession for the purpose of trafficking fentanyl and cocaine, proceeds of crime over $5,000, careless storage of a firearm times two, possession of restricted-slash-prohibited firearm with ammunition times two, unauthorized possession of a firearm times two, possession of a firearm knowing unauthorized times two, and possession of a prohibited device. Knowing all of that, you will be horrified to know that Adams was released on bail a little over a week ago on Thursday, July 20th, 2023. As much as I hate to say this, 
that is where Elnaz's case stands today. The two remaining named suspects who have yet to be arrested are 35-year-old Deshaun Davis, who we went into detail about earlier, and 23-year-old Sukpreet Singh. He has a Canada-wide warrant out for his arrest, and the sooner he can be taken into custody, the better. In a quick search for background information on Sukpreet, I found an article from September of last year, 2023, that named a 23-year-old male with his exact name as being one of three men arrested in connection to an alleged sexual assault of a woman in Toronto the month prior. According to CP24, the victim states that she left an establishment with one of the men and that the other two left shortly thereafter. There are no details as to what exactly happened next, but the victim claims that all three men sexually assaulted her. Photos of those three were eventually released to the public, but unfortunately, no photos of Sukpreet have been released in regards to Elnaz's case, so I have nothing to compare them to. As far as what happened after the trio was arrested, there have been no updates. The next article that hit the news mentioning a Canadian, Sukpreet Singh, was about his warrant in relation to Elnaz. One thing I noticed when trying to connect the dots between everyone arrested was that every time a new warrant was filed or a new suspect was charged, there were never any comments from anyone online saying things like, oh, I knew that guy was bad news, or even, I'm shocked, I can't see him doing something like that. Instead, there was just nothing. It's like nobody knew these people. With as many arrests that have been made in this case, there are still so many unanswered questions and a lot of progress to be made. According to CBC, police say that the fact that Elnaz used to own a shipping container business that shipped around the world is complicating the search for her, which is where you, the public, comes in. We talked in the last episode about how, for whatever reason, Elnaz's case has not gotten the attention it needs and it desperately needs it. This investigation has spread farther and wider than any case I've ever researched before, and spreading the word about what happened to her is just one tiny way that we in the true crime community can help. Please follow Bring Elnaz Home on Facebook, and if you get a moment and you're up for it, please consider sharing her story. The more people who know about her, the better. I've linked her Facebook page in the show notes of both episodes. If you think you might know even the most insignificant piece of information about the abduction of Elnaz Hashtamiri, please contact the OPP at 1-866-876-5423, extension 7250. If you'd like to remain anonymous, please contact Crime Stoppers. For photos pertaining to this case, check out Elnaz's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you would like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.
All right, you guys, we are officially at the end of this episode, and it is time to share a review that made my entire day. This one is from S1232510 and says, I always love this podcast and Ashley's funny sayings. What takes the cake is episode 205 when she says the guy looks like he'd drink whiskey by the dumpster. I've heard some crazy trash talk, but that was hilarious. Dear S1232510, you are my favorite person of the entire day. This is no holds barred against horrible people who do horrible things to great people. Um, Thank you for taking the time to be awesome and do something nice for me when you didn't have to. I hope that you know how much I love and appreciate you guys. You're the absolute best. Love you so much. Okay, I talk to you later.